my name is Matt Cameron. I'm the youth pastor here, and it's an honor to get to share with you for the second week in a row. Wow, this is crazy. I was telling the youth uh, earlier in the week, I said, Pastor Jimmy's going to let me uh, share again this week. And I said, that means one of two things. That either means that I did so good last week that he just had to have an encore performance, or, <laughs> or... I did so bad that he felt sorry for me and wanted me to give, give me one shot to redeem myself, all right? <laughs> okay, yeah, we'll go with A. Thank you, Miss Donna. So whatever the case may be, we're gonna, I'm going to do my best to preach to you all this morning, okay? Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for this gift of this opportunity to share with my friends about how good you are and your good plans for our lives. Lord, help me to speak your words today. In Jesus' name, amen? All right. Well, if you're here last week, I uh, started a little talk called The Secret. And the concept was that the Apostle Paul teaches us how to be happy in every situation. Any and every circumstance, Paul teaches us that he has learned the secret of contentment. And, uh, and we talked about how a sports fan, a lot of times we live our lives like the sports fan that watches the Super Bowl when their team makes the Super Bowl. And they go through life on this roller coaster of ups and downs because we believe that every single play, every moment of the game has the potential to impact the outcome of the game. And we live our lives that way. And, and what happens is when, our, when each play of our life or moment of our life doesn't pan out the way that we hoped that it would, we lose our joy. Because we feel like now, because this play didn't work out the way that I hoped that it would, it's possible now that God's goodwill can't happen in my life. And we live our, our life that way. And, and Paul teaches us in Philippians 4 that we need to have a perspective shift. He says that we don't need to worry about all these things that we've been worrying about. In fact, we don't need to worry about anything. Instead, we need to pray about everything, tell God what we need. And have this perspective shift. Instead of worry, let's give him thanks for what he's done. And he said, when we do that, now we, we have this new peace that guards our heart, guards our minds as we live each day in Christ Jesus. But that takes that, that perspective shift, right? And wasn't that an encouraging concept that Paul taught? That, wow, I've learned the secret of being content in every situation. That just feels good, doesn't it? To be content and happy in every situation because we can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. But as I was thinking about this, and, I, and Pastor Jimmy was generous enough to give me one more week to, to drive this home, I realized a lot of times we'll hear an encouraging word. And we'll say, amen, Pastor, that's good, right? Or we'll see something on Facebook that we like, a good quote, and we'll, we'll put the heart emoji and we'll share it. But then we go on living our lives the very same exact way. A lot of times the good things that we hear stay in concept form. And we rarely apply the good thing to our life. So this week my hopes are that I can kind of break down more of the process of this secret to contentment. So last week we talked about the secret. This week I want to talk about the steps. The steps of living a life of contentment. In any and every situation. So I hope that you'd agree that, that you'd feel like contentment comes as we pursue our purpose in partnership with Christ. I was telling Lexi the other day as I was watching her with the babies. 
A woman has to feel so fulfilled and content when she's got a little baby in her arms. Why is that? Because that points towards her purpose as a mother, as a woman. It's like your, your, whole, your body is designed to nurture these babies. And, and she feels so much contentment when she's got the little one in her arms because that's the way she was created. But as, as Christians, we feel contentment as we pursue our purpose, not by our own strength, but through partnership with God. Remember, the scripture says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. There's a partnership there. And when we live our life that way, we feel contentment. All throughout the Bible, you can see uh, God's people partnering with God to do God's work on the earth. And my favorite Bible story, if you're one of the youth, you know I talk about it all the time, is David and Goliath. I love that story. You see this little shepherd boy. I like to call him a little cowboy. And he's He's just serving his brothers, serving his dad, and he just happens to walk up on this this huge Philistine giant, nine foot tall, who is threatening the children of God. And what does he do? He doesn't do what the rest of the army does and, and cower down, but he knows that we win. He knows that God's on his side. So he, he goes and says, hey, I'll take care of this giant for you, no problem. And he goes to kill this giant. But what he says, he says something cool. Like if you're ever going to do something cool, you got to have like a tagline that you say right before you do it. And, and as he was about to, to charge this giant and take Goliath's head off, he says, today the Lord has delivered you into my hand and I will kill you. And then he's like, ah, and he, he goes after him. <laughs> but he says, the Lord has delivered you into my hand and I will kill you. You see the partnership there? between David and God against Goliath. Let me ask you something. The story, would it have not been a little bit different if David saw Goliath and said, that's a giant who's opposing the the children of God. And he shouts over to Goliath, hey, Goliath, God's going to kill you. And he sits and waits. He sits and waits and he does nothing. The story may have ended a little bit differently. A lot of times we wait for God to do things on our behalf, but the scripture says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I think we want it to say a lot of times, God will, or Christ will do all things for me. But he says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. So there's a partnership with Christ. And when we, when we partner with Christ towards our purpose, we find contentment there. Why? Because we, we're doing what we're created to do. We're doing, did you know we're created to do things? We're created to get things done. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. It says, For we are God's masterpiece. That means you were created by, by God's hand. You're not a mistake, but God looks at you and he calls you a masterpiece. Like, that's like my best work is your masterpiece. And he says, He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. So that, so that we can do the things that he planned for us to do long ago. So God created us by his own hand. And he didn't just leave us there and say, like an assembly line, like there's one, there's two. He, he created us and then he took it, looked at us and he said, wow, this is my masterpiece. And here's all the things that I have for you to do in your life. We've got a purpose. We've got a unique, specific purpose that God has created us to do. And this is why we feel contentment. When we partner with God towards our purpose, we're created to get things done through Christ, but not by our own strength. Amen. It's through partnership. 
with Christ. And how many would would agree that uh, progress towards your purpose is a process? Like you've got all these things that you want to do in your life and you've got uh, this enemy that's trying to slow you down and mess you up and and you've got all these things in, in the world and in your life that need changed. And I wish that we could just snap a finger and see change in our life, see good change in our life. But is, is it not true that any good progress towards anything in our life takes a process? Amen. Except the bad change. Like if we just if we just went with the flow, think about this. Think about human nature. Think about life in a fallen world. If we just ate the food that we felt like eating. If we just did the amount of exercise that we felt like exercising, where would we end up? We wouldn't end up like in great shape, would we? No, we would be unhealthy. We'd be overweight. Uh, What about uh, your yard? Anybody like to take care of your yard? Pretty yard. I know you guys got a pretty yard. So if you just did nothing and just went with the flow, like let's see what comes up in the yard. It's not going to be a beautiful flower garden, is it? It's not going to be golf course style grass. It's going to be nothing but weeds, dandelions, Johnson grass at my house. If you do nothing, if you just go with the flow, things are going to, they tend to spiral downwards. Or or think about this. If you booked a a, a trip and you say, I'm going to go to one-on-one Sunset Boulevard in uh, Florida or wherever. And you book a hotel there and then you just get in the vehicle and you say, all right, let's just drive wherever the road takes us and see where we end up. The chances of you getting to the destination is very slim because progress takes intentionality. It takes a process and you have to choose. You have to make decisions on what I'm going to do and why I'm going to do it in order to get to where you're intended to go. Same thing with our marriage. If we just reacted the way we felt that we wanted to react, If we said the things that we always just wanted to say, did the things we wanted to do, our marriage is not going to be the marriage that we had hoped for. Amen? We have to be intentional. We have to take the process because progress takes a process. So in in every situation, there are steps that we can take to live a life, a full life of contentment. So today I just want to take a few minutes and talk about four steps that that I've thought of that, that God's pointed me to. To, to walk out this process of the secret of contentment in every situation, okay? And uh, for your listening uh, enjoyment, to help you uh, re- remember these steps, they all start with the letter S, okay? So this, hopefully this will help you go home and remember this after lunch. Anybody ever go home and say, man, the message was good today? Somebody said, what did they talk about? <laughs> and say, uh, something about God, I think. <laughs> so I want to help you remember these, these steps today. You're welcome. All right. So the, the, the steps are we have to seek, we have to say, we have to see, and we have to stand. How many believes that you have to seek God's will, you have to say what God says, and then you can see what God's promises are for your life, but then even after you see God's promises, you have to stand on those promises. Amen? This is, this is the formula to living life the secret of contentment that I can do all things through Christ. This is how we do it. Okay. So the first one, seek, you have to, you have to seek out God's will for your life. You know that you actually have to pursue it. You have to ask for it. You have to seek out God's will in every situation that you face. You have to be looking for God's will in this situation. So if something bad happens, 
God does not will bad things to happen, but I promise you in a bad situation, God has a will. God has a will for what you're supposed to do next, for how you're supposed to react, for where you're supposed to go, for what you're supposed to say. And God has a will for how to bring good out of every situation. Amen. We have to seek God's will. Has anybody here with kids uh, play hide and go seek? Or did you play it as a kid? You've played this game, hide and go seek. Me and Lenny like to play that. And the way the game works is you've got a hider and you've got a seeker. And the hider goes and, you know, the seeker's counting to 10. The hider goes and hides themselves from the seeker. And the seeker now knows that the hider is in the house somewhere. But they can't see it, right? They can't see the hider. So they actively pursue the hider. They go and they look and they call for it because they know it's there. Even though all they see is darkness or loneliness and they cannot see the hider in the room, but they know the hider is there. So the seeker goes after it and the whole uh, effort is put forth into finding what it is, the person that they're looking for. And it's the same way in our relationship with God in our life. We have to be seeking out the blessings of God, the will of God in our life. And, and how boring would the game of hide and go seek be? If the seeker didn't seek, but the seeker just stayed, they just sat there on the couch and the hider was hiding, waiting to be found. And the seekers just staying in the dark and just sitting there and, and feeling loneliness and feeling darkness and saying, I wish my friend was back. It would be a boring game, but a lot of times that's the way we live our life. And, and we're in uh, this lonely place. We're in this dark place in, with these troubles and these trials. And a lot of times we just sit there and we, do, we don't seek out God's will. We don't seek God's provision. We don't seek out God's word and we just stay where we're at. That'd be the most boring game in, in, in the world. God wants us to seek out what, what he would have us to do, what he would have us to say. He's got the best life in store for us. But the the cool thing about God, sometimes the hard thing about God is he'll never force it on us. He always wants us to choose him. All he says is just ask me. You can have it. Just ask me. Just seek me. I promise you'll find it. Pursue my will. Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. Jesus says, keep on asking and you will receive what it is that you ask for. Keep on seeking and you'll find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, and everyone who seeks finds, and everyone to everyone who knocks, the door will be open. And I love how Jesus takes a moment here in verse 9 to explain the good nature of God, because it's important that we always remember that. So he says in verse 9, you parents, where's all, where's all the parents at? Raise your hand if you're a parent. All right, this is going to speak to you. You parents, if your children ask you for a loaf of bread, do you give them a, a stone instead? Or if they ask you for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask Him? Who ask Him. So you mean the good gifts don't just come automatically? No, they have to be sought. They have to be asked for. You have to tell God what you need. Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. Tell God what you need. And give him thanks for all that he's done. Because, because progress is not automatic. We have to seek it out. John chapter 16. There's so many of these. I'm just going to speed through a few of these. But John 16, 24. Jesus says, Until now you have not asked for anything in my name. 
But ask and you will receive. And what? Your joy will be complete. This, this sounds like contentment. This, this sounds like living your life content in every situation. That you don't have something, just ask me for it in my name. And now your joy, your happiness will be complete in your life. So seeking out God's will actually produces joy or contentment. Matthew six thirty three, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all these things will be added to you. So all the things that you need, all the things that you feel like you lack, all the things that you wish that you had, all that stuff that, that the world tends to think brings contentment, Jesus says all that is secondary. But if you'll seek me, if you'll seek after my will, my righteousness, all the things that matter, you'll have me and all those things. But all those things can't be the focus. You have to seek after me and my will. Hebrews eleven six it says, And without faith, it's impossible to please God. So how do you have faith? You have faith by doing things not by our own strength, but by God's strength. And he says, For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. You have to seek God's will. So before all that we can receive all that God has for us, we have to ask. We have to pursue what God wants us to have. Amen? Amen. So the next step, this one's tough. This is, this is maybe the toughest. Uh, especially when life doesn't look good, life doesn't feel good, there's a bad play, there's a moment in our life that we don't enjoy. Uh, it's tough to do this, but to be content in every situation of our life, no matter what, we have to be intentional about what we say. This is a tough one, y'all. I know y'all know this. Just think about for a moment, knowing this, just the words that we've said in the last 24 hours and, and compare them to how many words have we said that don't line up with God's will. It's so easy to do because it's our flesh. It's our human nature. It's easy to just uh, be reactive with our words, say the things that, that don't line up with the kingdom of God. But this is so counterproductive in the kingdom. How many people have prayed for one thing and then immediately left the prayer and went and said the exact opposite to their friends? God, I'm believing you. For my healing. Thank you, Jesus, that you took stripes on your back that I could be healed. Amen. And then you go over here. I'm just so sick. I just, you know, I just can't get off of this. And, you know, it's, it's so common. It's so easy, but it's counterproductive to the kingdom. It's, it's counterproductive to our contentment. Why? Because it pulls our focus from the gift of what God has given us, the power of what God has done, and it points us towards our problem. And we're no longer seeking God's will, but we're staying in our problem, right? And when we say things like that, it's powerful because our words actually carry weight in the kingdom of God. More so, I, I feel like, more so than we even know. Our, our words have power. Think about this. Think about from the beginning of time. And God creates the world. How did he do it? He spoke. He spoke, let there be light, and there was light. But when he, when he gets to, to us... He said, let us create mankind in our own image. And he gives us dominion over the earth. So now we're created in God's image who creates with his words. And now we have dominion over the, the, the earth like he does. So when, now when we speak because of his power that's in us, the universe responds. So when we speak things that don't line up with the kingdom of God, can you see how dangerous this can be to our contentment? to our whole life, or to everything. 
We have to speak the words that God speaks in order to live a life of contentment. Mark chapter 11, verse 23, Jesus says, For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, a lot of times in the Bible a mountain represents a problem that you have. Whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. He will have whatever he says. So when you're talking about your problem, what if it says he will have whatever he says? What if the guy in the parable would have said, man, there's no way I'll ever get across this mountain. There's no way this mountain will ever get out of my way. He will have whatever he says. There's power in our words. Our words have so much power. Proverbs 18:21, you know this one. The tongue, the thing that we use to say words with, the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. I was talking with Pastor Jimmy last night, and he was telling me, uh, saying words is like sowing seeds. We're, every time we speak, we're sowing seeds into, the, into our life. And whatever we say is going to produce a harvest. So when we speak, we have power. We could either speak life and we could reap a good harvest of that, or we could speak death and reap a bad harvest from that. Those who love it will eat of its fruit. What do you want to eat? What kind of life do you want? What are you saying? We've got to seek God and we've got to say what he says. All right? So now, step number three. This is the fun step. This is the step where... You feel like you're making progress in your life. This is, this is the step where it works. Because when we seek God's will and we say what God says, because God is who he says he is, we're going to see the resolution to our problems. We're going to see the answer to our prayers because God is still in the business of answering prayers. Amen? Amen. And I want to show you this. When you see that God answers prayers, the, the process that this works, this is, this is not just Matt's cool little method that I've made up. This is out of the Bible. So in Romans chapter 10, verse 10, it kind of maps this system out. So it says, for it's with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it's with your mouth that you confess and are saved. So it's with your heart that you believe. That's seeking God. I believe, I choose to believe what God says. I choose to believe God's way of life. And he says, it's with your mouth that you confess. So I'm going to say now what I believe. But then it says that you are justified and you are saved. That's the seeing part. Does that make sense? When you believe, when you say, now you see. Okay, the seeing is the results. And this is how God works and we can put our confidence in God in this way. So 1 John chapter 5, 14 and 15 says, And this is the confidence that we have toward him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. When we seek and we say, we will see. You believe that? That when you ask of the Lord according to his will, you are going to see results. The, the timeline may not be in our timeline, but when you ask anything of God and you believe on him according to his will... We're going to see answer to prayer. That's why we need to be praying. We need to pray for our country. We need to pray for our marriages. We need to pray for everybody. Because when we pray, things happen. The universe responds. So then in Matthew 21, again, verse 22, it's right after Jesus talks about moving the mountain. He says, and whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. If you have faith, you will receive. So what is faith? 
We know the definition of faith to be the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things that are not seen. Right? We have to have faith. That means we have to act on what we hope to see before we see it. This is, this is what it is to have faith. And the Bible says that you can't please God without faith. We have to have faith. Whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. So if you seek it and say it before you see it, you will see it. And, and this is where the life of contentment comes in. Uh, just like the, the football fan we talked about last week that watches the game after knowing the score, the final score, and watches the game then, how differently they react to every single play because even though that was a bad play, everyone knows that, they have this underlying contentment or this, this secret peace that they have because they know that even though this looks bad, this doesn't look like a winning play, I know that at the end of the game, we're going to be victorious. Right? This is, that's what it means to have faith. James chapter 5, verse, the end of verse 16, it says, The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and it produces wonderful results. When we pray, we will see results. Because God's good, amen? He's a good provider. He's a good father. And this works. So, step four. This is the one where I want you to listen. Because I feel like one, two, and three are pretty straightforward. And, and I think we all have a good handle on seeking God's will, saying what God says, and we'll see the results. But I feel like there's a sucker punch from the enemy that, that takes out so many people. Because we do everything right, and we actually see results. But then the sickness tries to come back. Or the, the relationship gets complicated again. And whatever it was that we prayed for, that we felt like we're seeing progress in that area of life, now all of a sudden we're not sure. And, and we seem to have digressed, you know, or, or whatever. And a lot of times that steals our contentment because we don't understand that even though we've sought God's will, even though we've said what God said, even though we've seen the answer to our prayer, we still have to stand on God's promises because there's an enemy. Because there's an enemy that, that wants to to mess you up. And, and I don't want you to get confused by not believing that there's an enemy at work. Even, even when God answers your prayer, there's still an enemy at work. And, and Jesus teaches us that in John 10, 10, he says the, the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. But my purpose, Jesus is now talking about his purpose. He says, my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life, a life of contentment. This is, this is Jesus' purpose, he says, to give you that rich and satisfying life. But there's an enemy at work that wants to kill and steal and destroy. So this is like a warning and an encouragement from Jesus. That he said, yeah, uh, there's an enemy at work that's going to try to mess you up. But I'm here to give you a rich and satisfying life. So choose me. And it sounds a lot like that scripture that we, I said probably ten times last week. That yeah, in this life you're going to have much trouble. But be at peace, for I have overcome the world. There's an enemy that wants to still kill and destroy, but I give a rich and satisfying life. So it's a warning and an encouragement from Jesus. So I'm going to read this scripture to you, and it's, it's like eight verses, but I want you to listen because this is how we stand. If, you're, if you ever wonder, well, how do I stand when the sickness comes back? or when the relationship gets complicated again, or whatever it may be when the enemy tries to steal, kill, and destroy, what do I do? In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 through 18, 
Oh, this is, this is how you do that, okay? It's, it, and it says, a final word, be strong. And I'm so glad it doesn't stop right there. Everybody, anybody ever get that advice? Just be strong. <laughs> you know, it's like, I can't, I'm tired. This hurts. I don't have much strength. But he doesn't stop there, praise God. He says, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. You see this partnership? Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor. Whose armor? Not my own armor. I don't have to defend myself now. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. You know the battles that we fight aren't against the, the annoying co-worker that we have. The battles that we fight aren't against our spouse. It's not against a person. It's not against an entity. It's, against, uh, it's a spiritual battle. It's a spiritual warfare going on. So we can't fight a spiritual battle a natural way. We have to allow God to fight the spiritual battle on our behalf. So therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. And then after the battle, you will still be standing firm when you put on God's armor. And then in verse 14, he says, stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you'll be fully prepared. And in addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the spirit at all times on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Isn't that good? Isn't that good? This is how we stand. This is not, it's not how we thought we were supposed to stand by just being strong. But we find contentment through pursuit of our purpose with partnership with God. We pray in the Spirit. Anybody ever pray in the Spirit? You don't even know what to pray for sometimes. You don't even know how to pray. So you pray in the Spirit. You let your Spirit pray for you. The Holy Spirit speaks these words that have power on your behalf. And you fight a spiritual battle the spiritual way. Jesus says, it's my purpose to give you a rich and satisfying life. But it doesn't come automatically. It comes through intentionality. It comes through a process. It comes through taking these steps of seeking God's will, saying what God says. What's the third step? Seeing uh, God, the answer to God's prayer or your prayer to God and then standing on God's promises. It's this process. This is the secret of how to live a life of contentment in every single situation through faith, through partnership with Christ. That it's going to be okay. So if you're out there today and you're going through something in your life and you're feeling uh, this feeling of discontentment, of worry, of anxiety, don't. Don't worry. Don't, Don't feel anxious. Just tell God what you need. Just give him thanks for what he's doing in your life. Seek God's will of how how to respond to this situation that doesn't feel good or doesn't look good. God, what would you have me to do? What what do you want to accomplish through this to, through this moment through this issue? Help me to say what you say that I am healthy, my marriage is strong, I am prosperous, I do have all that I need, and then I promise you, you're going to see it. You are going to see it, but then don't let the enemy come and steal it 
Stand on God's promises. Believe on His goodness. Believe in His character because that's who He is. And this, this is how we live contently. This is how we have a rich and satisfying life. Amen.